0: Tonight, I'm excited to be finishing up this series. This has been a powerful series. I have gotten probably more email responses, texts, and phone calls from people who are just thankful that we're talking about you know, real things like uh, struggles that we face, asking the hard questions of God, really putting it out there, and really giving, giving people permission to ask hard questions. It's been a great series that way. And, you know, when you go through hard things in life, it's okay to ask God the hard questions. And God has answers for us. So tonight we're going to be talking about probably the the best answer God has for us. And that is the answer of hope. The answer of hope. The answer of believing. The answer of trusting in Him when life is hard. And, And when the things that you would love to see healed or changed don't change, then what do you do and where do you go? So I don't know about you, but I hope in a lot of things during my day, like I got up this morning and I hoped that my legs would work when I swung my feet over the bed, you know, at four or four thirty in the morning and I put my feet on the floor and you never know for sure, right, if they're going to work or not. And so you get out of bed and if you're like me, you sort of take those first few steps gingerly and it's dark in your room, so you don't want to stub your toe on the bed or the dresser. You make your way to the bathroom. You can't see a thing because we like we black out our room. So you can't see anything. But you're checking to see if those first few steps are going to work, right? Anybody else do that? Baby. Is it just me? Baby steps. Exactly. You got it, Dan. And then there's the, uh, the coffee grinder. You know, I hope every morning that my coffee grinder works. And I'm just thinking the day's going to come when I push the button and it doesn't grind. And what am I going to do? That's like the day from hell, you know, that, that is, is going to come. And so I should have a spare, shouldn't I? I should have a spare. I know. It's ten bucks. Get a spare. I trust and I hope that my coffee machine is going to work, because I love that first cup. It's just me, Jesus, and a cup of coffee, and it's so good, isn't it? Anybody else? I just love that time with Jesus in the morning. You know, and then we place our hope in a lot of other things. Every morning, I do an online Bible study with many of you. I think two hundred and sixty of you are in this through the Bible with me. And and every morning, like you, I read my scripture. Today was John fourteen. And then I think, what's, what's the application of this scripture? And I'll write a few notes uh, online. And so I trust that my wireless is going to work. How many of you know that's not a given? And I trust that I'm going to get hooked up with the online you know, CCB Bible study thing that we're doing and get to connect with you all. But, but that's trust. That's hope. We put our faith, we put our hope in so many things. And we, and we put our faith and hope and trust in people. And sometimes people let us down, don't they? They don't always come through. With what they've promised or or what we think they should do in our lives And so there's this thing we call hope it's a big deal But there's a bigger thing a bigger person That we place our hope in day after day after day Throughout the day and of course we know his name is jesus. Amen. I mean jesus is the one To place our hope in because he will never fail you The the grinder might fail The coffee machine might fail your legs might not work But Jesus will never fail you. And his faithfulness might look a little different than what you think it should. But honestly, he will never, ever, ever um, fail you or be faithless to you. He will never let you down. He will always meet you where you're at. And he will always give you what he knows is best for you. That's the God that we trust in. That's the Jesus that we place our hope in. So today we celebrate this greatest hope ever as Jesus. We call this Palm Sunday. And Jesus... Turned his face to the cross is what scripture tells us and he rode into the city on donkey's colt and today We celebrate jesus choosing to place his hope in his father You see jesus had to do the same thing we do because he was fully god, but he was fully man And so he had a flesh like us. He had uh, fears and troubles like we have He never sinned. He never gave way to those But he still struggled with them. And so we see jesus choosing His heavenly Father, to trust Him, to put His hope in Him. And you've got to understand this. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, He knew He was riding to His death and pain and darkness and blackness like none of us will ever experience as He took the sin of the world upon Himself, separation from His Father for the only time in history, in eternity. We have no idea what that's like, folks. We have no idea what Jesus went through for us. But He rode right into the storm as he rode into jerusalem pretty remarkable and he placed his hope in his father Even though the people were shouting cheers, right hosanna To him. He knew that those cheers were going to change to jeers In just a few days. He knew that and so he rode right into this storm and I believe jesus wrestled With his circumstances because we all do he wrestled with it, but he embraced His father's will remember that's what the name Habakkuk means He who wrestles But then he who embraces It's a beautiful picture of what Habakkuk did In john 12. We read this just a few days ago in our online study Jesus comes into jerusalem And he says my soul Is deeply troubled My soul is deeply troubled Should I pray father save me from this hour? Should I pray like like i'm gonna pray and gethsemane father take this cup from me? No, he says this is the very reason I came Father bring glory to your name So even though jesus knew that he was riding into pain and abandonment and death and darkness Jesus placed his hope in his father And he accepted his father's purposes for his life And what he was going to do for us would impact forever the entire world anyone who would come and say, Jesus, I want what you did for me, would be saved. And so Jesus rode into this. And Jesus places hope in his Father so we can place our hope in Jesus. Just like Jesus found his Father trustworthy, we find Jesus trustworthy because we follow his example of placing our trust in him. So that's number one in your notes tonight. Placing my hope in Jesus produces this mindset that I really love It's the mindset of, even though, yet I will. Can you say that with me? Even though, yet I will. It's an amazing, strong mindset to have that we can have when we place our hope in Jesus. So this is the mindset that Jesus chose when he wrestled with what was before him and with what he faced. And even though we'll go through really painful times in life and times of sorrow and darkness, and Jesus, you know, went through times that are... A million times worse than us, he said, yet I will, yet I will. And we can say the same thing. Lord, even though I'm suffering, even though this is hard, even though I can't see my way through this or past this, yet I will, yet I will place my hope and my trust in you. This is the mindset that Habakkuk chose when he learned of the trouble that God's people were facing. As we finish up this book of Habakkuk today, we finish in these last couple of verses. After Habakkuk had complained to the Lord, after the Lord had said, Habakkuk, things are going to get worse, not better. This is Habakkuk's final response to the Lord. He says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, what he's saying is even though we lose Everything, because that was their life. That was their lifestyle. Even though all this fails through the, the uh, carnage of war, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will. Yet I will. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. I will find my joy in the person and the presence of God. And we get to find our joy in our trouble in the person and presence of God. Of the Holy Spirit. Who lives in us. God's no further than a thought. God's no further than a prayer. You don't have to go looking for God. You don't have to beg Him to come. God is in you. If you've received Christ. He's in you. All you have to do. Is talk to Him. And listen to Him. That's all you have to do. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So here's what I like to say. Extreme conditions call for extreme trust. When things in life get harder our trust should get bigger, not lesser. Many times we get resentful or we run from God when things get bad in our lives. But, but what is the most helpful and really what saves us is when our trust gets bigger to match the extreme conditions that we go through in life. And I know that sometimes it's a battle to get there. We're human and so we struggle. And, you know, we can, we can either go toward resentment or we can go toward receiving. Either resent God for what He's allowed and sometimes that's part of the battle. We've got to get through that. But then ultimately, like Habakkuk, receiving what God has for us. Because God has good things for us. God has grace for our struggle. God has mercy for our struggle. God has good things for us if we will just open up to him. So let's think about Job for a moment. We talked about Job last week. And as he sat racked with pain, remember, he didn't know that he was going to live You know this, right? We get to read the end of the story. So we know that Job lives. Job didn't know he was going to live. When he sat racked with pain, he probably thought he was on the way out. He probably thought that he was dying. He didn't know God had told Satan to spare his life, just take him to the brink of death. And now when the pain and suffering was at its very, very worst, how does Job respond to God? He says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust in Him. Though He slay me, yet I will trust in Him. In some of the worst conditions you can imagine a person ever being, Job says, though He slay me, yet I will trust in Him. So here's what I believe. I believe that every loss that we face in life, whether it's a tiny loss, you know, a little loss of life, coffee grinder not working, or whether it's a huge Maybe that is a huge one. No. Whether it's a huge loss in life, losing someone we love or encountering a very difficult medical condition or a loved one that we have, having a, a difficult medical condition. I mean, it can be a lot of different things. Every loss that we face in life is an opportunity to trust God and to place our hope in Him. And it's hard to do because we're used to taking care of ourselves. We're used to fixing our own problems. But God wants us to trust In Him and place our hope in Him. Just like Jesus had a very reason that He was riding into Jerusalem, we have a very reason that we go through the things that we go through. And that very reason we have is to go deeper with God, to develop a deeper intimacy with Him, to trust Him more with our lives. You know, I've been uh, using this book for reference, and we kind of based this series on this book, Hope in the Dark by Craig Rochelle. Great book. If you want to go deeper, uh, he'll add a lot to what we've talked about. But Craig Rochelle in this book says if you can trust, if you can choose to trust God despite all kinds of evidence to the contrary, then you will break through to a new level of intimacy with Him. You will know His presence in the midst of your hurting. You will trust His character when you don't understand your circumstances. Then no matter what happens, no matter how painfully your heart is pierced, you can continue to take one more step for one more day. I was just talking with a couple about that tonight, how, you know, medical changes in their life has brought them to this place where, you know, you have to grieve that loss, but it's an opportunity to trust God and to enter in to more intimacy with Him. So being all in with Jesus, this, even though yet I will, Being all in with Jesus um, brings us to this place where we realize that true joy doesn't come from life. But true joy comes from that deep place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And when we suffer loss, any kind of loss, that even though yet I will moment that all of us face sometimes, we press in. We press in like Habakkuk pressed into God and like Job pressed into God and like Jesus pressed in to his heavenly Father, we press in to the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And that's what God wants for us. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. So when we face a storm of suffering, whatever it is, again, it can be big, it can be little. When we face loss like Habakkuk and joy... And Job, it leaves us in this valley of decision. It leaves us in this place where we have to choose what mindset we're going to respond with in this life, in those things that we face, in these choices that we make. And I think it comes down to kind of a big decision. These are the two big things I think it comes down to. Am I going to resent what God has allowed in my life or am I going to receive what God has for me? And again, oftentimes we have to work through the resentment to get to the receiving, don't we? And that's part of the process. That's part of the of the why questions that we have. But at the end of the day, we want to come to where Habakkuk came, that we want to say, even though, yet I will. That's number two in your notes tonight. Grieving our losses with the Holy Spirit's help makes room for God's grace and mercy. In Hebrews 4, this is such a powerful passage of Scripture. I love this Scripture. I use it a lot in memorial services when we suffer loss and and lose somebody that we love. But here it is. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and there we will receive grace to help us when we need it the most. When we come to God in our time of loss, in our time of need, we can rest assured what we will receive from him. We will receive grace and we will receive mercy. You know, when we think of grieving, we usually think of death. Don't you think of death? You think of grief share. You think of having to process through the grief of your loss of somebody that you love. You know, when my dad died, I I grieved that loss. When my mom died, I grieved that loss differently than my dad. You know, when my brother Mark died, I grieved that loss. When my aunt Mona died, who was like next to Jesus as far as being a savior, you know, to me, um, really grieved that loss. But there's all kinds of losses in life that we grieve. It's not just the loss of death you know i've been open with you and i and I, I don't want to i don't i don't want to talk about this too much i don't want you to tire of of me sharing my life but but you need to know that that this is what we do my wife and i in our losses you know we we've been grieving the loss uh, with our son as over the last 8 years he has struggled with this bipolar condition and we've seen things sometimes you know in the cycle get worse over the years and it's been it's been a heartache for us and for him he doesn't want this condition it's been a heartache for both of us right and so and so we're working together with him to to kind of redefine life and as we do we're grieving the loss of the son we once knew (laughs) and accepting that this son that we love no less than we've ever loved has this struggle that we need to Enter into and come alongside and grieve so that we can have the grace and the mercy that we need and that He needs as we struggle with this. And you, you have your struggles and you have to do the same thing. You have to grieve your losses. I was talking with, you know, a family today about the fact they have a graduating senior and and uh, they've enjoyed watching Kyla. I'm going to point you out play basketball and play softball for years, and it's been a wonderful experience to have this daughter go through school and enjoy, you know, the sports and, and all the other all the other things that our kids bring us. But graduation is coming. Graduation is coming, and and you know, mom was sharing with me. You know, it's hard to think about life changing it's a loss and even though like with our daughter Lindsay, when we released her to ywam you know She graduated from high school in june and went to ywam in july and it's like we lost her, you know At the same time as we were saying go and be who you are And and kata's parents are saying that to her go and be who you are at the same time. There's a loss you understand that we grieve We need to grieve our losses Because grieving our losses makes room it makes space For the Holy Spirit to meet us with grace and with mercy. So that we can live well in these losses. So that we can continue to give and, and, you know, give our most into these relationships even though they change. We have to redefine life as life goes along. And this is so important that we learn how to do this well. Because I'm telling you, every day you you have dozens of losses to grieve. As You go through your day. It can be anything. So here's what I believe about that I believe that in order to grieve. Well, I think the best we can grieve is that we believe that God grieves with us That we don't see God as a God that kind of stands back and and is kind of cold and aloof and says Hope you can figure that out You know, I hope you can get through this one. We'll just see how you do No, that's not the God that we have in our life The God that we have in our life is the one that comes and enters in to our every condition, to our every loss, little or big. And he says, I'm here for you. I I meet you in this loss. Every disappointment, every sadness, every joy, every win. God wants to enter into your win. God wants to be a part of your win. If you're prosperous, God wants to be a part of your prosperity, prosperity. And he wants you to invite him into that place of prosperity and joy and say, Lord, you gave me what I have. Here I want to partner with you in it. I mean, every area of life God wants to enter into. But it's especially important that we understand that God grieves when we grieve. Let me give you a few examples of this because I'm not sure you believe me. Uh, You might be saying, come on, Pastor Kirk, God doesn't grieve. God's God. Well, are you made in his image? Do you grieve? God grieves. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. This is going to be life-changing for some of you. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that the Holy Spirit grieves. When we live in a way that um, brings bitterness or brings you know, pain into relationships, when we live in sinful ways that causes disunity in His church and His people, the Holy Spirit grieves. It says we grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit grieves when we live poorly in our relationships. If God is our Savior, if God is our Redeemer, if He is the one who comes alongside us, the Holy Spirit, and He cares deeply for us, then we can also believe that He grieves alongside us. Why would that be one area that God doesn't enter into? It wouldn't. It just totally makes sense. So how you see God in respond to your sorrow makes all the difference in the world to how you respond to him. If you see him as not entering in, then you will tend to resent him when tough times come. But if you see him as the God that enters in and even sorrows with you and grieves with you, then you will tend to be one that receives what God has for you in that moment of struggle. Does that make sense? So we need to learn to grieve our losses, big and small. You know, in John 11, great story about Jesus and how he grieved. You know, his his friends sent word to him and they said, Hey, our brother Lazarus is sick. Would you come and heal him? And Jesus took his time because he knew the Father was going to raise him up. So he knew he didn't have to worry. In fact, he told his disciples, you know, Lazarus is sleeping and and God's going to be glorified through what he does. So he just kind of took his time and he showed up uh, three days after Lazarus had died, right? So all of Lazarus' family was ticked off at Jesus, Mary, Martha. They were angry because he was like their best friend. You know, if Jesus needed downtime, that's where he went. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. He he hung out with them. So they were so hurt that Jesus hadn't showed up. And so Jesus gets there and even though he knows Lazarus is going to be raised... Jesus sees Mary weeping. And, like, he's close to Mary. He loves Mary. Because she sits at his feet and she listens to him. And, and there's this communion with, with he and Mary, you know. And so he loves her. And when she's weeping, it hurts him. It's hard on him. And, and the first thing we see in this text is that it says, anger welled up in Levi, in Jesus. Anger welled up in Jesus. And I've often wondered, why anger? That's an interesting response for grief, right? For, for this, what's happening there. But I believe it's anger because Jesus realized this is not the way it's meant to be. You know, Jesus was the creator of the universe with his Father and with the Spirit. He created the universe. He created humans. He knew that when he created them perfectly, they lived in perfect harmony without sin and without death. And I believe that in that moment, Jesus was angry at the curse of sin. And the curse of death that had brought such pain to his people. And so he was angry. But then we see that that anger turned to him being deeply troubled. That's what the text says. It says he was deeply troubled. And I believe that that deep trouble in his soul, again, was not so much for his loss, but it was for the loss that he saw in those that loved Lazarus so deeply. The grief that was in their hearts for losing their brother. And their friend. The people were wailing, and, and Mary was 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 weeping and Martha was angry and Jesus was troubled. And so he says these words, Where have you put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see. <laughs> and then Jesus wept. Then Jesus wept. Jesus knew he was going to raise him. Jesus knew. This was a a short-lived problem, but he was so deeply touched by the grief and the sorrow that he felt in his friends for the loss of their brother and for the loss of their friend that he wept. He wept for them. He wept for their condition. He wept for their grief. He wept for the condition of the world that he had created. Jesus cares, and Jesus wants to enter into our every, every sorrow. See again, Jesus had created this world. He knew how it was meant to be. It was perfect without the curse of pain, without the curse of death and the curse of sin. And here stands Jesus confronted with all the damage that comes through the curse of sin and losing somebody you love. And it became very personal to him in that moment. And what I want to say to you today is, is that no matter what your loss is, big or small, Jesus cares his word says that he sees the hairs on your head some more than others and he notices when they're turning gray through the stress and trouble of life he sees every hair and he cares about every hair on your head jesus cares about your losses you know not only does god enter into our grief when we lose someone we love but he also comforts us and and you know protects us From the difficulties of living in this fallen world. Jesus cares about what you face every day through living in this fallen world. He knows it's hard. He knows it's difficult. He knows there's sickness and illness and disappointments and hurts. Jesus knows that. And he cares about that. And he wants to protect you from that. You know, there's a great story of Jesus when he was out and he was looking over jerusalem and he knew what his people the jews faced he knew the oppression the persecution the pain and how the roman empire had come down on them and how they were living under such oppression in those days and jesus stands over jerusalem and as he thinks about what his children are going through this is what he says in matthew 23 he says o jerusalem How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And I want to just ask you tonight, when you face something that's hard in life daily, do you let Jesus? Do you let Jesus? Jesus wants you to let Him gather you to Him to comfort you in every loss that you face. And now look, Jesus said, because you wouldn't let me, your house is abandoned and desolate. I don't want your house or my house to be abandoned or desolate. You know, this word desolate means a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. When we don't invite the Holy Spirit into those places of loss in our life, we end up desolate. We end up barren. We end up bleak. You know, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And so he comes just like Jesus comforts his people and comforts us as a mother hen comforts her chicks you know the holy spirit wants to comfort you that exact same way you know there's a great picture i've got here of mama hen that's kind of a yeah oh which one are you are you the one that's kind of hanging back underneath the feathers a little bit are you the more okay i'm gonna see what's going on out here which one are you you know but this is what the holy spirit's like this is how how the holy spirit describes himself as being a mother hen that, that wants to gather you to Himself, that's what Jesus said. I want to gather you, and I want you to notice in this picture that it doesn't matter how old you get, you still fit. No matter how mature as a Christian you are, there are times that you need the Holy Spirit still to gather you and comfort you. Can we go back to the other one? That one's just disturbing. The other, let's go to the other. good. That's good. That's good. I think that one was photoshopped a little bit. I don't know. But God has grace and God has mercy for you. And in order to receive that, we need to grieve our losses. We need to empty. That's what grieving is. It's an emptying. We need to empty so that we can receive. And God wants us to do that in every loss that we have. He wants to bring comfort to you. God helps us grieve so that we can believe. I love the scripture in Romans 56 that David said to God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. Did you know that was in the Bible? Did you know? God collects your tears in a bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God sees your sorrow. God sees your tears. God sees what you face. And God wants to enter in to every loss that you face in life. And this is how you do life Well, he wants us to release the grief so that we can have space for faith. That's what God wants. Craig Rochelle, another great quote from this book, he says, We have to grieve the losses in our life before we can clear a space inside where our faith has room to grow. So, every loss, some bigger losses in life include, you know, medical conditions that we face, diagnosis that are hard, you know, facing Uh, treatment like chemo, several people in our church over the years have gone through and are going through, even now, um, therapy for cancer. Uh, Hardly a week goes by that I don't hear of somebody else um, that is struggling with this. Um, But there's also many other kinds of medical conditions, mental conditions that we struggle with, you know, that people struggle with. I was saying this morning that according to the numbers, 30 to 40 percent of us struggle with um, anxiety and depression 30 to 40 percent of us and and that's something that we just kind of don't talk about right and so we need to grieve those losses and invite christ into those so i want to remind you of the five stages of grief tonight because they are important to understand so that you can tell where you are in your daily price, uh, in your daily um, process of grieving so here they are very quickly you can write these down they're not in your notes the first one is denial You can't believe that this just happened. I had my blinker on. That was my space. How dare you take my space? And then God, how could you let them take my space? I had my blinker on. Anybody? Costco? Anybody? Right? So this happens. Denial. Anger. Anger is the next stage where you ask the hard questions of God like we've been doing the last six weeks in this series. God, why? God, where are you? God, how could you? God, what do I do with this? How do I find my way out? God, do you care? Then there's bargaining, the third stage, where you say things like, and you know this is true, God, if you just fix this, God, if you restore this relationship, God, if you bring him back, God, if you bring her back, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll go to church three times on Sunday. I'll go midweek. I'll go to a Bible God, anything you say, I'll do it, right? Bargaining. And how long does that last? About until the problem's fixed, right? And then we forget the bargain. And so bargaining is is one thing we do with God. If you just fix this, I'm yours forever. And then we hit the stage of of depression, of where our our true feelings, our, our humanness, struggles with this loss, whatever it is that we're facing. And things like depression and anxiety and hopelessness and feeling helpless about our condition. This is a very real real stage of grief that we struggle with. How am I going to go on with life now that this important person in my life is gone? What am I going to do with that? So, uh, so really struggling with our feelings of rejection and betrayal and abandonment and where it leaves us. And then finally, the fifth stage, acceptance. We talked about this a few weeks ago where we finally come around full circle and we're willing to say like Jesus, Father, we accept what it is you have for me. We accept it. We don't like it. We struggle with it, but we accept it, and, and, and thank you for being there with us, because this fifth stage brings us to the place where now we, we can receive all the grace and mercy that God has for us. What's really cool is that the experts in this field have added a sixth stage that uh, I was reading about. David Kessler, an expert on grief, co-author of the famous book On Grief and Grieving, adds a sixth stage of, to the grief process, which is called Finding Meaning. Finding meaning. I find this incredibly biblical and incredibly, um, you know, just encouraging that this stage would be added. I would call it um, discovering the purpose of God in my condition, in what has happened. God, how do you want to use this in my heart to develop me, to bring me to deeper intimacy with you? But then, Lord, is there a way that you want to use this in my life moving forward? Uh, you know, just again, let me get very, very personal with you. So I'm thinking a lot these days about mental illness. And I'm thinking a lot because I grew up in a home where my dad struggled with bipolar and now Levi and so I've been thinking a lot about depression and anxiety and you know the the struggles that we have as real people and I've been thinking about how do we how do we help more how do we become a church that is more open and that that When we struggle with these things, we're not stigmatized. You know, how do we get to that place? And what can I do? And God, are you asking me because of, of, you know, what I'm facing to be led in a certain direction through this? And I want that. I want there to be purpose for pain, you know. And I think that it's so healthy that no matter what it is that you face, you know, um, that you allow God to reveal His purposes to you. And and maybe God wants to use you to bring comfort and encouragement to somebody who's going through the exact same thing that you've been through. So just something to consider. And I think that that really can bring great meaning to our lives when we allow God to do that. So the Holy Spirit will help you find meaning in every loss and sorrow if you will grieve it well, and you will invite His grace and His mercy to help you in your time of need. And that's number three in your notes today. Last thing I want to say tonight... Believing and receiving God's mercy and grace allows his power to prevail over my life. You know, Paul was arguably one of the greatest followers of Christ ever, if not the greatest. And he asked God to remove his trouble, his condition, called a thorn in his life. And you remember God's response to Paul. So if you're ever wondering why God doesn't always, you know, fix everything in your life, just remember there's really, really, really great men and women of God that have had the same struggle. God has not removed the thorn. But this is what God said to Paul. He said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So for God, there's something He wants us to experience that's even more important to Him than Our condition being fixed and sometimes god heals and i'm i love it when god heals i'm all about the healing i believe in healing i believe in restoration i believe in redemption i believe that the holy spirit does all that today as he did in the first century so i believe in the power of the holy spirit to heal but sometimes god doesn't and then what then god says my grace is sufficient for you i love i love paul's response i'm not quite there yet like Paul was, but here it is. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. Woohoo! So that the power of God can work, power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. Anybody there? That's hard, right? Hard to take pleasure. But he says, because in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, Paul has discovered, and God wants us to discover, something that's better then even being delivered from a condition and that is discovering his power in your life god wants us to discover that and and that is so good when we do when we discover his power in the midst of our struggle his grace his mercy it's pretty amazing i believe we can only do that one way we can only do that by keeping our eyes on jesus keeping our eyes on jesus you know i believe that jesus wants us to overcome things by his power, things like um, sin, things like self, things like insecurity. I think Jesus wants us to overcome insecurity. I think he wants us to overcome our mind and have our mind renewed in his truth and live out of the strength of truth instead instead of the weakness of lies. I believe that Jesus wants us to have power over fear and over anxiety, over hopelessness and over helplessness. I believe that Jesus doesn't want us to be bound by feelings of helplessness, but that when we place our eyes on him, he brings hope to our situation. Because now we're not just hoping on our own abilities or how this might turn out, but now we're hoping in him and the purposes that he has for us. And if we can align our hearts and our minds and our lives with His purposes, then there's always hope. Even in the midst of difficulties. And so I believe that Jesus wants us to experience His power so that we can, we can overcome our human reactions in our relationships. We don't have to react in anger and violence toward our spouse or toward our kids or toward those drivers on the guide. But we can <laughs> respond... In the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants you to respond in His power. Not in just our human weakness. And I know we struggle with that. So, how do we do that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. And uh, this text in Hebrews is so powerful. Looking to Jesus, verse 2. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand... Of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? You. You were that joy. You are that joy. You are the joy set before Jesus. Jesus went through all this so that he would have a people, that he would have a bride, that he would have a family in heaven of people that he had made in his image and that he had redeemed to become his own children. That was the joy set before Jesus. That's why he endured the cross. And because Jesus kept his eyes on the joy set before him, we can keep our eyes on Jesus. Because he has proven to us that it's possible you can endure anything if you keep your eyes on the prize. For Jesus, the prize was you. For us, the prize is Jesus. And so tonight, what I'd like to do, I'd, I'd love to do this, actually, is I'd love to pray with you. We're at the end of our series. We've built up to this moment. And here's what I want to pray over you tonight. And I just believe the Holy Spirit gave me this word so strongly in my heart for this closing moment of this series that I would get to join my heart with yours tonight and pray for all of us, myself, my wife, our lives, your lives, That we would be, even though, yet I will, people. That we would be, even though, yet I will, people. No matter what life throws us, we would struggle, we would wrestle, but then we would embrace what God has for us and the strength that His Spirit brings us. So if you'd like to stand with me tonight, worship team's going to come. We're going to sing again as we close, but I want to pray for you and for me. I want to pray for us that we would be a church... That we would be a church that when people think of North County Christ the King and when people encounter you in your work and in your life, that they would think there's a person. There's a person that is an even-though-yet-I-will person. So bow your heads with me tonight. If you're open to that, if you want that in your life, if you want to grow in that as I do, then just agree tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you tonight for going to the cross. Thank you for riding into the storm. Thank you for facing... Certain death and darkness and abandonment from your Father. Thank you for doing that for us, Lord Jesus. For every person that would ever receive you, Jesus, you did it for us. And so we say yes to that tonight. We say yes to you tonight, Lord. Again, we say yes to forgiveness of our sins, for cleansing of our lives. And Lord, tonight we say yes to a mindset. We say yes to a response that we want to be true in our life as we learn to grieve our losses and invite you into those places where we experience disappointment and sadness sometimes. Lord, tonight we want to say yes to even though yet I will. We want to be people that, that walk through the valley with you and come out the other side stronger in you and more intimate with you. So, Lord, I pray that over my family tonight, over my brothers and sisters. God, may that be true in our lives as your spirit compels us and draws us. And as we say yes to your spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So we're going to close with one more song. It's a great song. It's a little bit newer. But it's a great way to profess and confess what we've just talked about this tonight. We're going to give our tithes and offerings, so give with joy and worship Jesus as you do.